I want you to think back before the quarantine, before you had even heard the terms shelter in place or stay at home, before you heard about social distancing, before you knew anything about the coronavirus. And with that, I want you to imagine with me a typical work day or a typical school day before all of this stuff happened. So you wake up to the sound of the alarm, you roll out of bed, you jump in the shower, you try to shake the cobwebs off. After you get out of the shower, you maybe go and grab a small bite to eat or you pour yourself a cup of coffee and then you finish getting ready, you brush your teeth and then you jump into the same old car, maybe take the same old school bus to work or to school. When you get there, you have the same old meetings, you see the same people at work or maybe you have the same classes and see the same classmates. You finish up the day, you head back home. Maybe you do a little bit of work around the house or you take care of some homework. And then it's dinner time and you have dinner with a friend or maybe with your family. You finish up some things in the evening and then it's time for bed. You get into bed and you stream a couple of episodes of your favorite TV show. Now, does this sound familiar at all? Sure, there may be a couple of different things, but I think for most of us, we can relate. We can remember the time when we had these routines. There's some familiarity that existed before all this stuff happened. Now, I want you to think about how all of this makes you feel. Think back just a few weeks ago. How did you feel in that time? I know for me, I was thankful that I could actually find a toilet paper roll. But for some of you, man, maybe you're thinking back and think, I, I, I remember when I didn't have to look at my portfolio each day. I didn't have to check and see if my 401k was doing well. For you students, you remember a time where you could see your classmates face to face. For you grandparents, you didn't have to FaceTime to be able to see your grandkids. As we think back, some of us probably feel some safety, some security in that familiarity, in those routines. But then this world pandemic hits and we don't know what to do. Our familiarity, our routines, they're shaken. Our comfortability is completely shaken. I can honestly say that in my 37 years of life here on this planet, I've never had an Easter Sunday where I didn't come to church. I didn't gather with my church family. My routine has been shaken. But what if in the middle of this crisis we could actually take just a quick step back and learn a few things. You see, I believe that familiarity can actually cast a shadow on clarity. Sometimes our familiarity can cast a shadow on clarity. So this morning, if you feel as though that you are walking around in a fog, you just don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. You don't know what's next. Let me direct you to something that brings great clarity. And that's the promise of the resurrection. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24, reading verses 5 through 8. And it's early in the morning. It's Easter Sunday. Mary Magdalene and some other women, they're headed to the tomb. They expect to see Jesus there. And in verse 5, this is where we pick up. It says, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. So these women, they're frightened. They're completely confused. They don't understand why Jesus isn't there. 
says that they went there with spices because they expected to embalm Jesus for burial. They expected him to remain dead. You see, their familiarity with death cast a shadow on their clarity. Their familiarity with what death was had cast a shadow on their clarity with what Jesus had actually said. You see, in their panic and their uncertainty, what is it that the angels tell them? They say, remember. Remember. Remember the words that Jesus himself had spoken. Jesus said he would be crucified, but that he would be raised on the third day. So we need to remember the promise of the resurrection. Remember that Jesus promised that he would not stay dead, but that he would be raised. Jesus promised that the grave could not hold him, but that he would be raised. Jesus promised that he would suffer and that he would die, but that he would raise, be raised again on the third day. And this promise of the resurrection, it leads to a reward of salvation that is available to you and that is available to me. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So this morning, remember the promise of the resurrection in this time of physical separation. Remember the promise of the resurrection in this frightening time, this frightening season. Remember the promise of the resurrection in the midst of confusion. Because, friends, Jesus is not in the grave. He is risen. As we continue talking about the resurrection and the understanding that we get to celebrate the fact that he is alive, that Jesus is risen, and that's what Easter is about, right? A, a great celebration of that. I want to take our attention to John, the 20th chapter. And in John chapter 20, John gives us a, a new view of what it might look like. Matter of fact, in these first few verses, verses 1 through 8 of John 20, it tells us that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb first. She was there. And when she got there, she saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And at that point, she runs back, it tells us, and she tells the disciples, especially Peter and the one that Jesus loved, which was John. And those two disciples heard what Mary said. The scripture says, as John tells us, that they then ran toward the tomb themselves. Matter of fact, that it gives us specifics. John says that he outran Peter and he got there first. But he got to the tomb and he stopped. He didn't go into the tomb. Matter of fact, it tells us that Peter went in first. He saw the, the strips of linen. He saw the headcloth there. And then John enters the tomb. And when he does, the verse that comes out to us in John chapter 20, verse 8, it says, as they were there, he saw and believed. Now, that's an important term for us today. It really has the idea behind it that we get to the word commitment. Because this word believe that John uses here is a word that has to do with persuasion. There's lots of different ideas of what the word believe means in different scripture and the context. But here, the root of this word has to do with John tells us that he was persuaded about Jesus not being in the tomb and beginning to understand the resurrection, beginning to understand what Jesus had been teaching them about the fact that he was going to raise from the dead and here it says that he believed. That word believed also as it's persuaded moves us to the understanding of commitment. So John tells us here in these first nine verses that his commitment begins to focus on a risen Savior. A good word for us. 
because our commitment is knowing about Christ and about who he is and our commitment to believe and follow after him. It goes on in verse 10, and now it's Mary. These two seem to leave, Peter and John and whoever else may have been with them, but Mary stayed there. And in these verses, it says Mary began to stay in that place, and she saw two angels. And the angels said to her, Mary, why are you crying? And she obviously told them that Jesus, the one she was looking for, was not there. She goes outside the tomb or around the tomb, and she meets the gardener, or at least who she believes is the gardener. But we find out in John's writing that it's really Jesus. And she asks, where have you taken him? What have you done with our Lord? And Jesus responds to her, Mary, why are you crying? And she recognized who he was as master and Lord. Now, there are two times in that passage that Mary has asked that question, why are you crying? Once by the angels, once by Jesus himself. Not only does she respond, but they ask her that question so that they might bring comfort into her life. That's what we see in those verses. A great comforting passage because Mary believed that they had done something to Jesus. Yet Jesus says, Mary, it's me. I'm alive. And so inside that, she was able to take great comfort. Why would she be crying? Another key word for us then today on this Resurrection Sunday is that word comfort that the Lord brings into our life. John saw it as now I'm committed to following Christ because I recognize that he is risen from the dead. For us and for Mary, it was the word comfort. All of us need something different, obviously. During these days of of trial in our life and struggles around us, we all need a different word. And maybe your word today is that word, comfort. Maybe you need to hear that this resurrected Savior brings comfort into our lives. He tells us that he is going to go away and send the Holy Spirit, who is our great comforter. Why are you crying, they asked Mary. Mary responded, I'm looking for the Savior. Here he is. And there are people around us who need the comfort of a resurrected Lord, a risen Savior who can change their lives. As we continue through this passage, we recognize that Mary then goes and tells these disciples, the ones that she has already talked to, they they missed seeing Jesus, but she has seen him. And then the last verse of John chapter 20 in verse 18 that we'll look at today, the last verse that we see that we'll consider, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. Hear the news? The news, what she say to them, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. There's great confidence in what she said. A great understanding that when she went to them, the confidence that he is alive. The confidence that we need in a resurrected Savior. The confidence that you and I have to have in order to walk through these difficult days. Being able to say that we're committed to who Christ is in us that we have comfort in who he is as a resurrected Savior, and that we have the confidence to step into the next moment of life because he has raised from the dead. We serve a risen Savior. You know, we just heard from Pastor Larry uh, speak about the truth that Jesus is not here, which brings confidence and assurance from John chapter 20. And I want to ask the question, what does this mean for you and me? You see, every person operates out of some identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What's the purpose for everything? And there are several things that you recognize about yourself, right? You're good at math. You're a female. 
you're generally more responsible than your brother. These are beliefs that you have about yourself. And we also have values. Maybe you feel slighted when you're not invited to a particular group. You feel discouraged because you should be further along in your career or more accomplished. You're glad that you don't look like the family that just came out of Long John Silver's in their sweatpants. These are all desires by which you measure yourself. You make choices to act according to the beliefs and values that you have about yourself. As soon as your eyes open in the morning, you begin to move towards those values and those deepest dedications, right? Job, family, recreation, comfort. And we also operate from different levels of identities, and we do so simultaneously. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. I'm white. I'm middle class. I'm an American, I'm a Cowboys fan, a UK fan. Generally, I think I'm a nice person. But those things do not define me in my core. And what I want to do for the next couple minutes is try to explain how to have a right, true, and lasting perception of ourselves that is tied inextricably to the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Christianity is a story of reality and understanding of the world. Pastor Ryan has mentioned this, as has Pastor Larry. Jesus really does change everything. This Sunday is a reminder of the story of Christianity, that there is a lasting, satisfying, and final solution to our sin problem by way of the resurrection, which brings newness, not niceness. Jesus came to make us new, not to make us nice. You know, in John chapter 3, we see the message of the new birth, the message of Christianity. It's not a message that teaching and morality and niceness or religious works will save you. It's actually a challenge to it. Jesus in John 3 is coming to Nicodemus, a religious leader that everybody admired and wanted to follow after, who is impeccably moral. And he says to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be changed. There has never been a message more committed against morality and religious works and behavior than the message of Christianity saying that those things can't save you. That's the message that we celebrate today. If you were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, you would see several truths, in fact, three truths about the resurrection, the nature and truth of Jesus. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 2, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, in which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. You received this. It's a word that's in the perfect tense, which speaks of an action accomplished in the past, the consequences of which continue indefinitely into the future. It's speaking about the permanency of salvation. He says you stand in this message, you, you rest in it, not in your circumstances which are wavering and like shift like the sand of the sea, but in Jesus who is unshakable and sure and certain. And he says, and you will be saved, indicating that we need to continually believe and trust in this message. So what does the resurrection mean for us? It means that we need to receive it into our lives. We need to turn from our sins and believe in Jesus. We need to stand in it, and we need to hold fast to it. Salvation, rescue, forgiveness of sins is a posture of repentance of sin and faith 
in the finished work of Jesus in which you transfer your hopes of heaven and your hopes of the forgiveness of sins off of your own morality and behavior and religiosity and onto the finished work of Jesus. He's done it. It's complete. It's finished. You see, when a person becomes a Christian, he is delivered from the devil's grasp and the chains of sin which shackled him or her are instantly broken. As the song reads, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who did what? Who made an end to all my sin. Jesus, the truth of the resurrection. We believe and trust in him. He's alive, just like you and I are. He's the Savior. He's the boss. He's the bread of life that nourishes our soul. He's the gate that opens heaven's doors to sinners. He's our priest who takes care of us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the image of the invisible God that makes God visible. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the perfect sacrifice who lays down his life for you and for me. He's the good shepherd who oversees and takes care of our soul. He's the son of God. He's the light of the world that dispels all darkness. He's the wonderful counselor who gives us unshakable and wise words. He's our hope. He's our treasure. He's almighty God. He is our rock in times of trouble. He's our peace that transcends all understanding. He's our attorney who argues your case and my case successfully. He's the deliverer. He's the champion and captain of our souls. He's the warrior king who defeats all of our enemies, sin, Satan, and hell. He's the rescuer. He's the hero. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one name and reality that all other realities hinge upon is the resurrection of Jesus. And one day, you and I will pass away. But we will be more alive then than we will ever be now because of the truth of the resurrection. So our joy, our hope, our forgiveness, and our future is secure. Because of Jesus' resurrection.